What's up, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode here on RNFM Radio, episode 186. Hard to believe it's a it's been an amazing day today. We had an amazing show, and hopefully you're having an amazing day wherever you are, whenever you are. You've got questions. We have got the answers. Whether you're just a nurse starting out in your career, student nurses as well, an experienced nurse seeking another perspective, or a nurse in business, this is the leading resource and inspiration right here on the pulse of nursing and we love that you have opinions and we've got them as well because we share those on the air we'll be sharing those right here with you on the pulse of nursing that's right we're honored to have you tuning in with us and we promise you'll learn something while keeping it both fun and interesting around here at rnfm radio we're trying to keep it fun we're trying to help keep things engaged and entertain you with some humor, but also with the valuable content that we are just spilling out everywhere. Now, today is pretty exciting. We had a guest on the show, and Keith, myself, and Elizabeth with this guest. I won't spoil it just yet because Keith will be doing the introductions here. And so we're going to be talking about mentoring, but we also, or really, I want to highlight the fact that this is a platform. What we're going to be talking about today is something that hopefully you nurses, depending on no matter where you are in the hierarchy of your organization or your entity, wherever that is, this is definitely for you. But hopefully you can get leadership to pay attention to this particular show and this platform that we're going to be sharing with you because this particular platform seems to have done it all. And so, I mean, really, it is almost like from step A to step Z, you know, this platform has been doing it again. I don't want to spoil the guest because Keith is going to introduce her. So why don't I just go ahead and zip it so that we can get into the show and I will wrap up with anything that I felt was pertinent uh, at the end. So here we go and just roll right in. So everyone, we're here with my good friend, Louise Jakubik, Dr. Louise Jakubik, and she's a mentoring thought leader and a workforce development expert. She's the president and chief mentoring officer of the Nurse Mentoring Institute, an organization dedicated to the art, science, and wonder of mentoring. She's a master mentor, a leading research scientist on mentoring and nursing, and her research agenda spans 10 years exploring mentoring practices and benefits for nurses and has included the development of two valid and reliable research instruments and a model for mentoring in nursing and their workplaces. She's dedicated to mentoring and helping organizations to build mentoring cultures through the use of her evidence-based mentoring model. Now, as a workplace development consultant, Louise assists organizational leaders to embed systems, structures, and values that promote career development and build mentoring cultures. And as a speaker, and I can attest to this, Louise brings not only her passion for mentoring, but also practical tools and tips about how to make mentoring happen for individuals and organizations. In June of 2014, and this is amazing, she received the designation of Certified Speaking Professional by the National Speakers Association. And this is the highest international recognition for professional speakers anywhere. And she's one of only fewer than 30 nurses in history who've ever earned this designation. So Louise Jakubik, it is such a pleasure to welcome you to RNFM Radio. Well, thank you. It's really a pleasure to be here. And I'm so excited to speak with you all about one of my favorite topics, mentoring. That's great. And I'll just say that I was at your Nurse Mentoring Institute conference back in November in Cherry Hill, New Jersey in 2015. It was amazing. My friend Renee Thompson was there, who I know is also your good friend and a good friend of RNFM Radio. And 
You run an amazing conference. You provided an incredible service for the nursing profession. And I just want to let people know right off the bat that they can go to rnmentoringinstitute.com to find more information, right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So what else do you want to tell us about the trajectory of your career? I mean, you're well known in the pediatric circles. I mean, what can you tell us about Louise Jakubic? Well, sure. Um, many people know me as a pediatric nurse. I'm one of the um, national experts in pediatric nursing certification review. Um, my career trajectory is that um, I got a master's degree at a fairly young age, about 24 years old. Um, and I'm trained as a uh, pediatric nurse practitioner and clinical nurse specialist um, in pediatrics. So pediatric nursing is my clinical specialty. Um, and in my company, Nurse Builders, I spend um, majority of my time traveling all over the country, um, presenting continuing education and certification review um, at children's hospitals and related institutions. Um, however, that's actually just one of the hats that I wear. And the other hat that I wear is as um, the president and chief mentoring officer of Nurse Mentoring Institute. Um, I've probably always had an interest in mentoring, even going back to childhood. Um, however, um, I was really impacted as a, a young advanced practice nurse uh, by several mentors who really took me under their wing um, and, and who I believe are really responsible for uh, my career trajectory being um, as successful as it has been. Um, so from a personal perspective, I really have seen uh, the power um, and the difference that mentoring can make um, from a personal perspective. Um, I, from, a, from an academic perspective, I have a PhD in nursing. All of my research um, in the last 10 years has been looking at mentoring um, and specifically mentoring outcomes. Um, as you said, I have a mentoring model that looks at six mentoring practices that predict six mentoring benefits. Um, and my work really is, is about helping individuals to become engaged with mentoring. Mentoring is a career development or relationship. Um, it's a, it's a, a tool. It happens to be a free tool uh, that really can help propel people's careers in amazing, amazing ways. Um, but I'm also keenly interested in helping organizations to know how to leverage uh, mentoring as an organizational phenomenon. So much of my work is related to how is it that protégés, mentors, and organizations interact, and how is it that the three uh, in the relationship each benefit. Well, Hi, and, Louise. You know, I Go ahead. Oh, I'm yeah, gonna, no, I'm no, go cut ahead. You off. Oh, dang it. <laughs> I go I, first. Well, we didn't hear you before. All right, All right fine. Go uh, ahead. Louise, yes, right. awesome to meet you over the radio this way or the podcast, whatever we want to call these, you know, telecommunication waves. But I think this topic is fabulous. I am super excited to be able to interview you here and also look forward to hopefully do so in the future. But, you know, you, you mentioned your um, personal interest in mentoring and also professionally bringing these. Um, you know, um, ways to interact with nurses to organizations. So I'm curious, does this happen naturally among nurses, this sort of mentoring relationship, or are there 
or is it, and or, you know, is it an either or type thing or do both happen? Is there like a formal process? Like, can you speak to sort of the natural process of mentoring and then, you know, maybe some formal things that may occur? Absolutely. Elizabeth, it's a very, um, very important and and poignant question. Um, If you, if you ask folks in a room about formal versus informal mentoring, frequently you'll find that people feel strongly that the relationship to be a quality mentoring relationship either needs to be formal or it needs to not be formal. And um, I've done quite a bit of research looking at formal versus informal mentoring relationships. And what's really interesting is that the research all shows that the modality isn't important. So formal versus informal is not important. It also shows that the quantity, so time, Um, and the format are not important. So email versus phone versus face-to-face. In all these studies, what we learned, again, looking at multiple mentoring protégés, what we learned is that the most important thing really is to perceive that your mentoring relationship is a quality one. Um, And so when it, what I, how I answer this question to individuals and organizations is to say, consider what is a good format for your particular culture. So in some organizations, and I've, I can speak personally, uh, I, I worked in one particular organization, one particular setting where mentoring was, it, it was the way we worked. It was who we were, it was our value and it was our leader's value. And so we didn't need formal structures because mentoring was something that was an expectation as well as a value. So in a, in a situation like that, in a, in a workplace setting like that, really all the leader needs to do is reinforce that he or she values it and reinforce um, and really uh, reward it and recognize it when it happens. So in those scenarios, formality isn't really necessary. However, I find in many organizations, we're just busy. Um, Our plates are fuller and fuller. Um, We have more and more demands on our time and our expertise. So in many organizations, a formal structure facilitates mentoring happening. And that's really what's important is that mentoring is happening and that it's quality. So again, my to kind of dovetail a little bit, Elizabeth, into your, from your question into my model, uh, my model is about six mentoring practices um, and they're welcoming, uh, mapping the future, teaching the job, supporting the transition, protection and equipping for leadership. And these are really principles or practices of mentoring. So at the Mentoring Institute, we teach people what the essence of these practices are, and we give them examples, and we we actually fill their toolbox with mentoring activities that they can use to uh, facilitate the mentoring practice, welcoming, for instance. but we also are clear with people that they should be creative and that there's more than one right answer in terms of how it is that you would um, engage in these mentoring practices. Mm. Well, and I actually want to go back to what you were saying as far as, so breaking down the formal versus informal, you know, in in my company, we do have, I would say something formally just recognized among our leadership that mentoring is extremely important in my institution. And so any anybody that I've hired uh, in my company and then, in, you know, the leaders, and then, of course, this also trickles down from a top-down uh, mentality, is that we do recognize that a, a formal 
uh, mentorship process is nice. However, we do like the informal where it, it feels, it does feel a bit more organic for us. It feels like a bit more fluid and we can kind of transition into that quite easily. But I do think that the mindset is is really important when it comes to whoever is actually mentoring. And we get a lot of interns, um, whether that be in the clinical uh, field or uh, not. Uh, we have administrative staff who don't have any clinical background whatsoever, but we do really stress to them that we want to mentor. And then sometimes we just get so inundated with the day-to-day because we're used to it that we've we've always set a precedent like, listen, let us know like if we need to pause, if we need to back up. And we try not to judge or, you know, categorize somebody as, as sort of a slow learner or whatever that is. Like, because again, we get so used to what we do day to day and we, but, but at the same time, the mentorship needs to become more fluid in our day to day and more organic. And we want it to feel more sincere and authentic, uh, not forced, but, but like I said, there is, there's definitely some formal mentorship that we put into our organizational bylaws. And I think it's a great point that you make, Kevin. Um, it, it, I like to think of, um, you know, the, the perfect mentoring culture is one where um, leaders are, are valuing and driving and they're the force behind mentoring as an expectation and a value. Um, and then some combination of formal structures that facilitate mentoring, um, you know, and again, we use a lot of those formal structures in succession planning, for instance, and identifying talent and moving them in various tracks and directions with this, as you describe so, so well, this organic sort of nature. Um, there's, there's really no comparison in my mind to a relationship that just, it, it's a fit. Um, and, but again, I think it's, there's room for all of the above. Um, and, and certainly, uh, we have lots of opportunity to facilitate both formal as well as informal relationships. You know Agreed. what I was, uh, sorry, again, why don't we just have a little mentoring on who gets to talk next? So, um, no, 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 it's <laughs> fine. No, I just want to say, I agree for sure. Yeah. That's all. That was my only thing. Agreed. Okay. That's it. Period. So, <laughs> Louise, um, you mentioned earlier about the six, six, uh, mentoring practices and your model. And I was curious if people in the audience wanted to learn more about your research and read up on mentoring, what resources might you recommend? Sure, um, I'd be glad to, to talk about that. Um, I, um, I have a pretty extensive reference list going back to about 2007. Um, however, um, there is a, we're real excited about a, um, an article series that's launching in the January, February 2016 issue of the journal Pediatric Nursing. Um, and one of the reasons we're so excited about this series is it's a really kind of quick snapshot that's going to unfold every other month over a period of uh, seven issues over a period of exactly a year. And so that series is going to be one where issue by issue, folks can read the overview, and then each issue is going to be about a single practice and its related benefit. Um, So that column will be available. We'll be uploading them on um, through the Mentoring Institute site as they're available. Again, it's going to unfold beginning now through January, February 2017. Um, in the meantime, there are references and um, 
links and so forth on rnmentoringinstitute.com. And certainly, um, I'm always glad I had a, I had a request yesterday. Someone emailed me and said, I'd just like a list of your articles. And I'm always glad to, to send a list or to send an article. Wow, that's cool. a, that's very exciting partnership, Louise. I'm glad you brought that up because I know when we were talking in New Jersey back in November, you were mentioning this partnership with the Pediatric uh, Journal of Pediatric Nursing and how with your expertise in pediatric nursing and research related to it and mentoring, this is like the ideal partnership. This is like gold in the mentoring world, isn't it? I- I have to say the team, um, and again, I, I do work with a research team, so I, I don't want to take singular credit for this research, certainly. Um, and the, the the team that's authoring this um, this series is myself, Dr. Eris Eliades um, from Akron Children's Hospital, Megan Weiss, uh, Magna Coordinator of Akron, Akron Children's Hospital, and Jennifer Huth, uh, craniofacial coordinator at Akron Children's Hospital. So we're the authors of, um, we've done multiple research studies together in in mentoring and nursing and are authoring this uh, collaborative series. Um, we're just, we're really excited. Um, it, it's a way to kind of get the information in a very bite-sized, um, I think really uh, easy to, to read format um, out to the masses. I do wanna just mention um, while a lot of our work has been done in pediatric nursing, um, we have looked at, at other, we, are, we have looked and will continue to study other populations. All of the feedback that we get from multiple, um, you know, multiple experts is that the information and the studies are absolutely applicable um, beyond pediatrics and, and actually beyond healthcare. And I'm actually when I was just I was looking at the the website rnmentoringinstitute.com. Very, I mean it. There is a lot of information here. I mean, not overwhelming. This is this is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Talking about target audiences, topics included, course objectives. I mean, you've really done your work here. Thank um, you to lay this all <laughs> to lay this all out. I just need to let everybody know that if they do head over to RNFM or I'm sorry, not RNFM rnmentoringinstitute.com. You will find a lot under the, the seminar section is what I'm actually looking at right now. And I just love how this is laid out. So from a tech standpoint, good job on the oh, layout you. of the website. Well, Ooh, thank- Kevin mm, Stamp. That's a gold. That's great. And I can attest to the Nurse Mentoring Institute conference. I spoke at the last conference in November and will be there again in 2016 in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. So that's November 3rd and 4th of this year. So that's only 10 months away, folks. So we highly recommend that people consider coming. And Louise, when people come to that conference, I noticed that There's a very intensive two-day pre-conference where it's very intensive learning for the people who are actually, I guess, launching mentoring mentoring programs at their facilities or organizations, or they have mentoring programs and they're trying to take them to the next level or maybe fine-tune them. So if someone wants to get more involved and say their hospital where they work is considering taking this old dusty mentoring program, which is basically just a box that people check on some intake form and actually making it happen, like really happen. What might they learn at the NMI annual conference? 
Well, I'm, I'm really glad you asked because we have so much going on um, in, related to that. We call our, um, we call our seminars mentoring immersions where we teach people the mentoring practices uh, and associated benefits and how to make them live. Uh, we've actually just are launching what we're what I'm calling uh, uh, mentoring the mentoring difference 2.0. Um, and essentially what a uh, couple things are different in 2016. The first is that our focus is actually bringing these immersions on site to organizations. So our focus, rather than we will still have the option for people to come this year, it'll be November 1 and 2, 2016 in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, to come to the immersion. But we will be doing much more um, actually having NMI faculty travel to your organization to teach uh, leaders, clinicians, educators on site. And what we'll be doing in this new three-day curriculum, again, which we've just launched, um, the curriculum is called The Mentoring Difference. Um, and there's three days in the curriculum. The first day is for formal administrators and formal leaders. So your managers, directors, chief nurse executives would be strongly encouraged. It's a one day and it's called Top Leaders Mentor. And it's all about how leaders, formal leaders are the key drivers to make mentoring culture happen. And what we do in that one day is we've really infused it with a lot of the literature in, in leadership. And we align that that content with mentoring content. So for instance, we talk about um, how, if you look at employee engagement drivers, if you look at the Gallup work, um, the 12 item valid and reliable instrument that the Gallup organization uses and has studied uh, for the past 30 years, six of the 12 items in engagement are directly related to mentoring. So we talk about that content, which is always so interesting to leaders. We talk about um, the work by Liz Weissman, uh, multipliers and how uh, mentoring is really a multiplying effect. Uh, we talk about, uh, we do an exercise about um, your why. So why is it that you do what you do? Uh, the real why, not what you do, but why you do it and how does mentoring fit with that? So we do some really deep diving and um, alignment with mission, vision, values uh, around mentoring uh, with this leadership group. And then the second day, the second, the second and third days are for frontline educators and clinicians. Um, and that's called um, le uh, mentoring from the front lines. And that's really focused on a very deep dive into the two, the six mentoring practices. We spend a lot of time on activities. Uh, we do some role play, a lot of videos and vignettes, uh, really so that when people leave, they have the tools they need to make mentoring happen. We think of uh, formal leaders, administrators as the drivers of mentoring and mentoring culture. We think of educators and clinicians on the front lines, and in some cases, managers on the front lines as the deliverers of mentoring culture. And one of the things that we do at the end of each of those programs um, on site is it's called the secret sauce, uh, is we talk with each group about how they need to collectively work together administrators, educators, clinicians after their time and come up with a mentoring action plan for how it is they're going to roll out the work uh, that's based on this evidence of mentoring practices. 
um, and benefits. So that's just a little bit of an overview. Um, but the big change in 2016 is that there's really going to be a focus for us bringing this on site to organizations. We really believe uh, that if we can have the eyes and ears of 50 administrators and 50 clinicians and educators in one room, um, that we can really help you to make mentoring happen um, and, and to create mentoring culture in organizations. Well, and I have to just jump in here to say that something that I really hung on to, because Elizabeth and Keith and I have talked about this on RNFM so much about mentoring and uh, in, in so many facets of healthcare and how stressful it can be uh, in this whole top-down mentality. But what you said is actionable steps. So just to reiterate, you're talking, they, these these leaders in the organization, and we don't mean leaders just from a hierarchy standpoint as far as executive level. I mean, anybody we we think in nursing are leaders. Agreed. But what, what I just wanted to, to just reiterate here, so you're talking about actionable steps, because I think that when individuals do go to these types of seminars, the information is uh, extremely, I think, helpful and, and powerful to a degree unless there's nothing there to help them execute on those next steps because they probably feel overwhelmed. Like, okay, this was a great seminar and I fully believe in this, but now how can my organization really take these steps? And, and, and so it really sounds like you do a lot of that support. Yes, yes. Okay. and that's the key. And that's the key. Uh, the key is, so this is all evidence-based work. You can read 10 years of it in the literature, but the key is we've taken the evidence base and we've made it practical. And we've made, and these classes are fun. I mean, ask anybody that goes to these workshops, they're people, they have an, an amazing time. They feel so enriched and, and engaged um, and excited to make mentoring culture happen, but they leave with really tools and actionable steps to make them happen. One thing I wanna um, mention, just spin off on, on your comment, we have a track um, in the Nurse Mentoring Institute, the main conference, we, we have four tracks and one of the tracks is called Mentoring Practices. And the only people who are eligible to submit an abstract to present in that track is either NMI faculty or graduates of our immersion programs. And the reason for that is that whole track is about people coming back and showcasing how they made the mentoring practice live. It's, and it's phenomenal because you get to sit in the room and hear how did a particular organization do an initiative around mapping the future or do an initiative about around protection or an initiative around welcoming and some of the things they do are so creative but we created that track to highlight and recognize these people's great work but also to make it very operational for people who are maybe just getting their arms and you know and, and minds around these concepts so they could really see, oh, this is what it looked like in this organization when they took it back and they actually did it. That is too cool because I'm also, uh, in addition to this role, I have another role as well, which is um, I work part time in nursing research at an organization. And I was, you know, I've been reading a lot of literature about how to engage nurses in evidence based practice in, in nursing research. And sort of the challenge I've come across in what I've read thus far is, you know, we can teach them sort of the knowledge and we can teach them the theory and we can teach them this kind of stuff by talking about it in a classroom. But until you get hands-on experience and really applying it, you don't feel like you own it. You don't feel that competency around it. So I love that tract. And actually your 
comments about the tract are sort of um, segueing into what I was going to ask you next. If someone listening in the audience who is working on a mentoring project and wants to share, uh, do you have calls for other types of abstracts as well? And how can they find out about that? Oh, absolutely. We really, at Nurse Mentoring Institute, one of our main objectives is to bring people together that are doing great work in mentoring and in the continuum of developing nurses. So all the way from orientation, precepting programs, uh, nurse residencies, formal mentoring programs, so really the lifespan of developing a nurse. Our goal is to bring people together to share and to network. So absolutely, um, February 1, the call for abstracts will open for our 2016 conference. We have two call for abstracts. One is for e-posters. Um, the e-posters are essentially a poster uh, presentation about a project um, that you've been involved with. Uh, simply, it needs to be placed onto a laptop, and we have our laptop secured. And during the poster presentation, uh, the, the, the slides just scroll um, while the presenters are there able to answer questions. So that's been a very low-cost way for us to enable people to bring their uh, presentations and, and share them. Um, in some rather large audiences. So that's one call. That's one call that will be open on um, on February 1st. Those calls aren't normally the poster, the e-poster isn't normally due until the summertime. So you have some time on that. The oral uh, presentation abstracts is also going to be open on February 1st. And we have a variety of tracks for that. Uh, typically, as I mentioned, the, the mentoring practices track, we typically will have something to do with students and faculty, something to do with novice nurses, a track for novice nurses, and then one for more experienced nurses. Um, so there really is the tracks are broad because we, we don't want to leave anyone out. Um, and we really, really uh, encourage people, if you're doing uh, developmental work with nurses um, in or around the mentoring field, definitely submit. We want to have you there. Um, Keith can attest. It's an amazing conference. The energy in the room, the we put a group of people who love to develop other people in a room together. Um, and we basically like like, you know, just we, we solve world hunger and uh, do amazing things in, in uh, two to four days. It uh, is pretty amazing. It's yeah. an amazing thing. It, it, I have it to just, say it's a, it's an energy unlike and unlike anything else. That's true. And I count myself so lucky, Louise, because I met you at the National Nurses and Business Association conference this past fall, and you and I and Renee Thompson were hanging out. And then you invited me to come to NMI the month after, and you were kind enough to invite me there. And that was like a double whammy of amazing conference energy with other nurses going to NNBA and then NMI within three weeks of each other. Yes. I was I was basically on fire for yep. months after that and Kevin Elizabeth heard about it. So, you know, speaking of Renee Thompson, I just want to bring her into this conversation in spirit because she's somewhere else and her ears She's here with us in spirit, I yeah, know it. <laughs> her ears are burning right now and she was on the show a few months ago talking about you. So, you know, there is a relationship between mentoring and bullying, and we all know here and a lot of our audience know that Renee is basically the national expert on bullying and the eradication of bullying and harassment culture in nursing. So how do you build the bridge between that whole mentoring 
thing and bullying because bullying is huge and we all know it's a problem. We know Renee is working assiduously to help organizations get rid of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you asked that question. It, it's such an important one. And I should, I should start by saying that uh, Dr. Renee Thompson and I are wonderful colleagues and friends and we do a tremendous amount of collaborative work because of the nature of our, our interests um, and our um, both scientifically and personally um, on the continuum, on the continuum from bullying to mentoring. What I will, how I will answer your question is this: think of um, think of all of us as vessels. Um, I like to think of us as human capacity vessels. Uh, bullying drains it drains our and diminishes our vessel. Mentoring builds and expands our vessel. Um, we have a ton of data to say. Um, if you look at if you look at these workforce issues that are so important to us in the workplace, uh, nurse satisfaction, uh, nurse engagement, um, intense stay, uh, and and the list goes on. Um, but if as you look at those particular metrics, there is an absolute correlation. As bullying goes up, those metrics go down. Your satisfaction goes down your intent to stay goes down, your happiness at work goes down, your engagement at work goes down. As mentoring goes up, those things go up. So they have um, a, a very interesting relationship to our human capacity and, and our, um, our individual and organizational capacity. If you look, um, if you look at an organization, and, and Renee and I both do this as consultants and speakers regularly, um, I always say to folks, if you want to build a mentoring culture, You've got to stomp out your bullying because a bullying culture, bullying behavior undermines mentoring. You cannot have a mentoring culture where bullying lives. And so if I go into an organization and I'm doing a workforce development assessment, which I do with some regularity, um, if I see an issue of, of bullying and I see rampant bullying behavior, I will, I will clearly point out to whomever the formal leader is, that we have to address that because if we want to get to a place where there's tremendous teamwork and satisfaction and engagement and we want to build a mentoring culture with succession planning and all of the things and the benefits that come from mentoring we can't do any of those things until we've eliminated bullying um, bullying is the is a um targeted planned um intent to undermine um, and 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 to limit the capacity of another, whereas well, I was mentoring just, is the opposite. <laughs> well, and and right, and and I was just going to say because you you were talking about your assessment and then discussing with leadership about your assessment. I mean, in your work, I mean, are you really finding uh, that that leadership knows in some gray area that that it might exist, but they don't really fully have a grasp that that's actually going on in their organization or on their units specifically? Let me answer this this question in a couple of ways. Um, I think that, and again, and let me preface this by saying that Dr. Renee Thompson is the, the anti-bullying and the bullying expert. So I defer intense bullying questions to her. She's definitely expert. Um, I, I am uh, I am present in bullying environments um, by default as a as a mentoring um, and workforce development expert. But what I will tell you is what I see is a range from 
I think there's bullying going on. I'm not sure. Well, maybe that's just the way she is to absolute and utter knowledge of who the bullies are and being paralyzed as to what to do. So I see a real range. Um, I also see, unfortunately, we have this habit, be it bullying, be it poor communication, be it you, you pick another topic, but we have, a, we have a tendency in nursing to say, oh, well, that's just the way so-and-so is. Um, the, the joke that I always make is, um, oh, she's a good nurse. She's just not good with people. Well, well that's ridiculous. Uh, communication and being good with people is a competency for being a good nurse. Um, and so I think a lot of times we've allowed ourselves to believe that treating people in any other way than respectful um, and developmental of others is okay. And in my world, it's just not, um, you know, so I, I think that, I think if people really want to build mentoring culture, they've got to dig deep and decide, are they willing to do the hard work? Because the hard work of building mentoring culture will include stomping out the bullings. Right. And, and again, I think from the top down mentality, you do have to really have some buy-in and we've talked to Renee. She's been on the show several times. And of course, as Keith said, we, we're also friends. And so we, we, we also talk online or offline uh, when we're not interviewing each other on podcasts. But, you know, I, I would agree with that sentiment that I think that leadership, uh, some, some folks just feel like, well, it might exist. There is something happening there, but I'm not really certain. Or as you said, like, well, that's just kind of how she reacts or he or she reacts. And so I, I know, like I said, in my own company, I try to, as much as I can, uh, let let the leaders, uh, my directors, kind of handle things. But but at the same time, I, I do have check ins with pretty much everybody in the company. I've I've said this several times in uh, on the show that I from from intern all the way up, I appreciate having a little one on one time with people just to kind of you know check in with them, just to see how things are going. Mm-hmm. Because I just don't want to make any assumptions, and I and I think that in in giant organizations, much larger organizations, those assumptions can really you know, start just kind of becoming commonplace and, and you used to assume that that's, that's how that person just reacts when really there is something quite mm-hmm. uh, dark going on there. And it's not just because of them, but it's just, it could be the other individual that's really kind of uh, what stoking that fire. And- well, and I'll tell you, Kevin, the reason that we've launched this mentoring difference 2.0, that's a three-day curriculum adding, we, we've added the one day, which is top leaders mentor is because in my observations over the last year to two years in our work with our immersions and the research around it, the thing I observed, um, which was so clear, is that without without form, and I, I believe that every nurse is a leader, so don't misunderstand me, but but the, the, the formal administrators, the formal leaders, if the manager, if the director, if the vice president, if the chief nurse executive, if they don't own and drive mentoring and show it as a value that's mission and vision based and model it and reinforce it and stomp out bullying, it's not going to happen or it's not going to happen at the level and the depth that every single nurse deserves to have mentoring affect them and their lives. Um, And so that's why I'm really excited in the next, you know, handful of years to really be focusing on leaders and how to help leaders have the tools they need to make mentoring culture happen and to support it. Right. And I think if you can see 
um, really see the value on the other end of that because I think in leadership, what what I've seen, you know, from my experience is, you know, people have all have said often in the past, well, you know, we've already got so much else going on. You know, the fact that now we've got to like what hand hold everybody's hand, but but rather instead of like framing the 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 conversation or the question or the statements of, well, no, it, it's not like that. It's you know, we make these investments. We recognize that this could be an issue that ultimately can have a team to start disintegrating, and then people are unhappy and performance disintegrates. As you said, it just kind of mm-hmm. starts falling apart. And it's a worthwhile investment because if you make that investment on the front end, then obviously you're going to reap so many benefits on you know the other, other end of that as far as production is concerned and people are happy and, and satisfied. And, and I think that, that being a change agent, especially at, at a leadership and from a hierarchical standpoint, you know, at a director level or higher, something like that, d- definitely, you know, regardless of what the organization is doing, I mean, I know that people care about the organization, but then people also become loyal to that individual, seeing like, wow, this person is really trying to change things around here. And I'm going to stick with them through this process so, so that hopefully it becomes the kind of infection that we want. We want it to be infectious throughout the whole organization. So if it can start there, especially at a leadership uh, place, then yes, I think people will try to follow that and 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 mimic that pattern. Here, here. Yeah. Well said. Anyway, yeah, I'm, Kevin, I'm, well I'm on said. a soapbox. It just, it just, I, I just, I really like this, and I just love it, the fact that it does seem actionable. Oh yeah. And and right. realistic. The, right. Your human beings are the best thing that you can ever invest in, and they just are. We're going to um, quote you on that, Louise. I mean it. Yeah, they're, that's great. Human <laughs> beings are the best the best thing you can ever invest in. Yeah, it I love you in spades. It, it absolutely does. I love that the um, human beings are the best thing you can invest in. And I also liked your concept of human capacity vessels. So I'm going to take those with me. And I want to make sure people know to find the show notes because I'm going to have photographs from the NMI 2015 conference. We're going to have a nice photo and a bio of Dr. Jakubic. We'll have links to the Nurse Mentoring Institute. Also, the information about the February 1st uh, opening for abstracts that could be submitted for the 2016 conference and lots of other information. So it's going to be a great show notes. And Kevin, I'm assuming we're going to put this at rnfmradio.com forward slash mentor because that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I was going to say mentor or mentoring. Yeah. So why don't we... Why don't we call it mentoring? Mentoring. Mentoring. So rnfmradio.com forward slash mentoring and the show notes will be up on the day that this podcast launches. So Elizabeth, you want to take us home here? Sure. Thank you. So Louise, thank you so much for being here to RNFM Radio. You know, Kevin mentioned it before and I know Keith would agree as we host these podcasts. We're always trying to share with the audience some practical things they can do, but also to kind of focus their attention on the positive. And I loved how you were sort of giving us that spectrum across um, from bullying to mentoring. And, you know, if you don't have one, well, then you're going to have the other. So I really appreciate that perspective. And I just, I thank you for taking the time to be here out of your schedule and really sharing all of this wisdom and expertise with our audience today. Well, you're very welcome. Um, and again, um, if if ever I can uh, be of assistance to, to anyone out there um, related to mentoring, have a conversation, an email, um, you know, please find me on rnmentoringinstitute.com. Excellent. And everyone out there listening can find me at Elizabeth Scala at Elizabeth Scala. 
And you can find me at Nurse Keith. Indeed, Kevin Ross at Innovative Nurse. And we have enjoyed that you have contributed time and attention to this episode. And we can't wait to have you back on the next one right here on RNFM Radio. All right, so didn't I tell you that that was going to be a good show? I mean, of course, a lot of you are like, yeah, Kevin, you always say it's, it's a good show. But it is. We bring good content here. And Louise, I mean, just so articulate, well-poised, and amazing, amazing program that she has over there, rnmentoringinstitute.com. you got to find out more. I mean, how many times do we go to conferences or these speaking events or whatever that is, and we get inspired, and we want to, like, mobilize and motivate and change things and move the needle, and then we don't. I mean, seriously, and then we don't. So we get all this inspiration, and then we don't execute, we don't implement. And RN Mentoring Institute is helping you do that. I mean, that's the important piece here. I talk about that all the time. You can be inspired. You can think like on a a much higher level. You can want to elevate and move that needle. But if you're not doing it, if you're not putting the steps forward, you know, in front of you to get there, you know, the objectives, the goals, creating those milestones on how to get there, RN Mentoring Institute is helping you do that. So if you find you, 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 you seriously, just whatever you're doing, pull over to the side of the road or stop what you're doing. And remember that this this website, rnmentoringinstitute.com, is where you need to head. No matter where you are in your in the hierarchy of your organization, this is something for you. Of course, I guess maybe you don't need to pull over or stop what you're doing because we'll have the link in the show notes at rnfmradio.com forward slash mentoring. So we just want to thank you so much for your time and attention. I mean, don't we say that all the time? I mean... I know I say that all the time, but your time and attention is extremely important here. So, like I said, if it were the three of us on the mics and nobody listening and there was crickets out there and only, well, zero audience members, we still feel like we're providing valuable content and hopefully you feel the same. And if we're, if we're not, or if we are, or <laughs> we just want to hear from you, head over to rnfmradio.com under the contact us page and let us know. There's also the SpeakPipe app. There's a little app. There's a little bar there on the right of the website. Just click that. You can leave us a voice note if you want. And tell us like if you want us to bring it on the air. You want to share your name or just use initials or not say anything. But just that you would still want to share your question or comment. Feel free to do so. We actually have next week. You're going to want to tune in for 187. You're going to want to tune in because this one is going to be off the hook. Because we had an audience member reach out to us. And it was something that we felt like we could provide some value to. We've got some detailed questions here that she's asked. And so the whole show is going to be about her. She's not on the show. And I'm not saying it's not just about her, but it's about her idea and how she wants to execute on this. And she needs some help. So we're going to help her. And that's what we mean here. Like when we say reach out questions and comments, like we want to, we want to live up to that. We want to own up to you're the audience members. This show is really for you. And so we want to give back. And so we're going to be giving back on that next show. So I'm really excited about that one. So let's go ahead and just head out of here because I want you to find that passion. Execute on those ideas, rinse and repeat. And we'll see you back here with us again on our next episode of RNFM Radio.